This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Ali Hamidi, welcome to the show. It is really brilliant to have you here and I feel very, very honoured. And you are a TV presenter, a producer, a multiple author, a marketing and media guru. You're founder and CEO of One More Cast, which is brilliant. You're a Liverpool fan and a new dad. So lots going on. So tell us about yourself and what you do and also tell us how you got there. Oh, how I got there. My hobby was fishing since a kid, complete and total obsession with it. I wasn't born in the UK. I was born in Iran, came here when I was six. And I didn't really get into fishing until I was 10 or 11 years old with a kid from school. So that was my hobby. Uh, obviously, having Asian parents, Iranians, they, they wanted me to be a doctor or a scientist or some other. But both me and my younger sister were really quite passionate about drama, media, arts. And that's actually what I went to. My education went into media, marketing, almost like sports journalism. And that was that was my dream to become a, a marketeer. And it was only through my love of fishing that I started writing for fishing magazines and journals and uh, be, developed a little bit of a reputation there whilst working for Sky Sports as a young kid, a marketing company as a young kid, say young, after graduation from university. And yeah, that led to me uh, developing some good experience. I worked for a technology company, moved to Spain. So I really built up quite a bit of experience quite early. And then I went and joined a fishing tackle company who was very small at the time in 2005. And that's where I met you in later mm -hmm. years when the company had got much bigger. And yeah, so 16 years of being with a company that was very small when I joined, around 1.5 million turnover. And when I left, they were 30 million plus 16 years later. And whilst there, because of my background with Sky, we were able to do TV shows and really take the marketing of a small fishing brand and actually develop a strategy that I think would be admired by the biggest brands in the world. I know, having spoken to CEOs and owners of much bigger brands since, that they admire what Corda, the company I joined, how they deployed themselves in the media world. And then in 2021, I went into business with the founder of Ted Baker, Ray Kelvin, who, who was a friend. He really felt like I had more to give. Uh, I did as well a little bit. Uh, another gear beyond working for somebody. And yeah, we started One More Cast. And that was uh, the idea. Ray would look after the clothing and the outdoor accessory side of things potentially. And I would be focused on the fishing tackle brand side, the products and the marketing. And that pretty much brings us up to date. Um, bit of a roller coaster, I have to admit. I worked for a company that I really truly loved and still have a huge affection for the people and that business and, and their their livelihoods and future success. But yeah, I took the huge risk of starting again. I earned a few, Bob. So start, <laughs> starting again was scary. 
but I felt like it was at the right age to prove to myself more than anybody that I could build a business from the ground up again with a little help from a pretty big, you know, supportive investor at the beginning. You've always done and you're doing incredibly well. So, so start off by telling us a bit more about One More Cast and what's your vision and what was the drive? You know, what led you to take that big step away from something that, you know, you've done for, for a long time and you're really successful at it and to go and start something new? I think probably because I always felt like being, I was head of media and marketing at Corder. And I kind of felt like I, I had more to give to all parts of the business, but the business has got to a size where it had people in lots of different departments. You know, you'd have people dealing obviously with product development, finance. I, I just, I felt like I would, I would like to build a structure of vision and build a business again from the ground up. Corda had actually in that time also started a few other smaller brands, like it started a company called Guru, another tackle brand. And I've been involved in growing that. We'd also taken on new brands for distribution. And I'd been heavily involved with that. So I kind of had a real belief that I could market a business very well from the beginning because I'd built a huge following on social media for the industry. My only concern was, would my creative mind be able to deploy itself into products? So I'd always had product development ideas in the past, but I'd never obviously been in a position to see them through. And could I channel that creative spark into away from making TV shows and content, which I'd still have to do, but actually into the product development engineering side, because I had an interest in it. A creative mind can focus in wherever they want if they channel that mind. But I didn't know that for sure. And that was... That was one of my sort of nervy concerns when we were starting. Would I be any good at that side of it? But I wanted to prove it to myself that with the right energy and passion, you could, you can achieve anything if you really want it. It's that growth mindset, isn't it? That belief in yourself that I think all entrepreneurs need, that you can get there, you can acquire the skills and you can get the support that you need from people around you as well. And I think you're right, you know, product design and product development is more three-dimensional, tangible, more sort of engineering-led. It's a different sort of creativity. But just because we've not done it before doesn't mean we can't go there. You know, the brain's really good at developing if we've got that self-belief and if we go for it. And what I think you do brilliantly, you do lots of things brilliantly, but one of the things you do brilliantly is how well you role model what business any business should be about and I think that's really firstly understanding the customer you know knowing who your customer is targeting that customer really well speaking using the customer's language solving the customer's problems and actually finding solutions for them that the customer cares enough they value enough to buy and then creating a whole community around that and you're brilliant at leveraging i mean i think you you punch more than the weight of the company if that makes sense how do you do that and how have you learned to do that part of it is like an organic energy to talk and communicate i've always been quite a passionate outspoken personality with regards to communicating with people i've not been your traditional i'm certainly not the traditional your customer's always right i have worked in different sectors and communicating with different customers or different genres of customer does require a different tone. 
I think Ray Kelvin coming from Ted Baker and his background, I think he's sometimes been in shock with the way our customer communicates with us, the, 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 the sort of trolling and negativity. And then he kind of has been quite shocked at how he, like, I just brush it off because I've been so used to it for so long. But it's understanding the socioeconomic background of some of your community, the education background, not in a derogatory sense, but just understanding mm -hmm. that the carp fishing industry, it is a working class sport. And as a result, I think I've always related to them because it's important to be one of them in, in the way that you communicate. It's not fake. I'm lucky to have friends from a good spread of communities and also background and professionalism. But yeah, it's, it's one of those, I've been lucky that I, I've always been quite a good communicator with different people from different backgrounds. Maybe the fact that I wasn't originally from the UK and I've adapted to meeting people, having to adapt to new schools, new towns. It's not something I, I have to think about doing. It comes quite naturally. And yeah. now with social media and the forever changing algorithm of social media and the fact that there's a bigger, wider beast that controls everyone's behaviour. You have to roll with those punches. You have to adapt. You have to be posting regularly. It absorbs so much of my time a week thinking, right, how can we communicate today with the audience to keep yourself in the front line of their thoughts? Because if you don't, as a young brand, you, you're forgotten about because you're still new, mm -hmm. where a bigger brand has that organic pull through. You know, they do. They naturally, if you're an Adidas, you're stuck ingrained in the in every gym goer, every sportsman's mind. If you have just launched the trainer brand, you are not in their mind. So the only way you can do is shout in a nice way editorially to keep people engaged with you and then build on that. They're, they're yeah. basic foundations. And to stand out as well, and you talk to customers live, so you're you're doing a lot live on social media as well, and I think there's an accessibility about that. Yeah, going to the exhibitions, I've done lots. I've gone a lot back to the roots of the beginning of my career because I lay there at night. You know, I've spoken to you a lot with your leadership training about my mind and thinking back and ruminating, wasn't it? The the, the, yeah, the term, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually, what I've tried to do is learn from my errors, think about my errors, but also think about the great things that you've done in the past that worked and bringing them into the sort of modern climate and doing them again. So going back to going to store open days when we launched the brand, doing little events near a shop by a lake where people could come and meet you, being at every exhibition again, doing Facebook lives, doing Instagram lives, answering as many but the, the thing is I'd always done that so it's mm. not it's just the fact that it's a shift to our brand a new brand that probably stands out a bit more but I was doing that all the time in the shadows if you like at quarter but I think maybe the business as a whole wasn't aware of it as much because back then social media is growing year on year and I was like the first on there with a with a dedicated fishing angler page and so organically it's just become a way of life. Tell us about the brand One More Cast and what the brand's all about. So the One More Cast brand for me was a chance. I, I've got quite a free spirit with regards to how I think. When you're working at another company, you're kind of guided by the values and the, the focus of the owner. 
I think one more cast, certainly when it comes to fishing tackle, that side of it, I would like the idea of a very free, open mind with how we do things. No barriers with regards to whether we go into this line of product or that line of product. No restrictions. So as a result, when there's no restrictions, your mind is free to think about whatever, whether it's a rod or making reels, where previously there was a lot at Corda, especially there was, no, we can't do that because we work with this company. And that's fine. There's a there's a chain loyalty and that's totally cool. But with one more cast, it was clean slate, blank canvas. If it feels right, you have a passion for that product, you've got a good idea, let's go for it. Of course, if we can afford to do it based on the status and timescales of the company, it wasn't like got an investor and there's this bottomless pit of money absolutely not we got a commitment of cash to buy in for x amount of shares after the founder class and that that's it you know if i went and burnt all that cash that was that's that you know (laughs) so we haven't fortunately and we've we've hustled and and worked really hard to to incrementally grow slowly and i just want our products to have little bit of quirkiness about them some things are similar but some of the inventions that we're working on really will put a stamp on on the future and people say to me like when you start you think oh i'd love to have this uh, big business and it to go to this level but then actually once you get going you think actually i'd just be really happy to break even and everyone's jobs to be secure and then then you can once you think right right i'd like to now make a little bit of profit and then grow. But for me, now I've started, I kind of really understand thought of ever selling it, for example, already makes me think, no, like it means too much. And a lot of friends say to me, you will never be happy at it. Like you're not that type to ever be content, but that there's always the next thing you're gunning for. And I've probably become resigned to realizing that. It's what keeps many of us motivated and interested. and, And I think potential is unlimited, isn't it? thing I really enjoy about not like ruling a business what I mean is being in charge of your own destiny not working for someone suits me might not suit other people and that's again totally cool because I like seeing bumps coming ahead or envisaging what the bump could be well when you work for someone the bumps can come from behind you blindsided and you're not expecting it and that made me feel uncomfortable and actually I feel more secure being insecure in a business that I have autonomy of than working for someone in a really established business where you're guaranteed to be paid, et cetera. That made me feel more insecure because based on relationships and future and differences of opinion when it comes to creativity, whatever they are, my personality is a big personality and it, it has a has an opinion. And sometimes you fight in the same war, but the, the the creative differences i've had it with ray yeah you are you yeah. are a creative and you're a creative disruptor and, and that's a good thing no i, I accept that as well and, yeah. I, and actually what i want to make sure is if i get in a position i won't say fortunate enough to meet people that have the same love and passion to come and work for one more cast and i say when i say work i want them to really feel like it's a part of them and the the, the, the idea of one more cast is to create a business where there is the opportunity for people to have a shareholding. There is an opportunity for it to become not just emotionally ingrained in them, but financially ingrained in their life. So that they're patted in the pocket and patted on the back and patted in the mind and really do feel like it's theirs. 
and they do feel autonomy to a point. I like them to ask. I like to ask them what they think. When I say them, the other people that have already now working full time in the business, which we've grown from, there was three of us to start with, and now we're five, soon to be six. Great. That's brilliant. (laughs) And, And people do their best in that environment where, you know, they're valued, they're part of it, they feel, you know, connected. And they've got a vested interest financially and emotionally. And actually, that's a great place to work as well. It feels good. It feels good to go to work, doesn't it? And it was a very brave thing to do. I did it as something similar myself. I was a director of a train company doing really well. It just wasn't for me. And I was invited to, to continue and stay and all of those things. But I just wanted to go and do my own thing and create my own thing, you know? For me, I think in the end, and I've, I've said it on multiple other podcasts when I get asked the question, I think it was the thought of living with the regret was enough to tip me over the edge because it was, it was right on the cusp the whole time up until I signed the deal with the lawyers and everything. What I made sure was everything was signed and done before I went in to hand my notice in because I didn't want there to be any chance of having my mind changed because I'd made my mind up. All of the possible things that could be thrown at me in mm. that situation wasn't an option. So it was a clean, I've made my decision, this is what I'm doing. And I think a lot of people thought I was crazy, but it was my chance to prove yeah. that I wasn't crazy and, and I was willing to go for it. And I, I encourage anyone, like the, the, the living with a regret is almost like worse than the risk. I think it was the best thing I've ever done was to go and and do my thing and do it my way and and pave my own path and and all of that. So completely agree. You know, it's really brave. But the thing is, once the decision is made, the only thing we can do then is to make it work and doing really well. So you talked before about starting to do product design. So how did you do that? How did you go about sort of learning the ropes on that? I broke it down quite systematically before because I looked... When I was making the decision, I looked at the history of product developers in fishing, in fishing tackle particularly, and realized that pretty much to my memory, not one of them had any engineering background or any prior knowledge. They were just a fisherman that loved fishing. Then I thought, because in that chain of events to create a product, there are CAD engineers, the manufacturer that actually gives you more knowledge than yourself to start with because we can all come up with right i'm going to design a plane okay but then there's lots of people with the knowledge of physics and how it will elevate and what you need dovey tom dove one of my really closest colleagues still a great friend that i did the tv show with who was product development director who's now got a bigger wider role at quarter he said to me product's easy you're going to smash it and actually now he's involved with the tv side quite a lot and he says, with media, you you make things, you can edit it and do it. But then in the end, it's in, it's in a computer or on a hard drive and it's done. Where with product, there's manufacturing. Obviously, there's the, there's the creative element to get it to the point of going to manufacturing. But then you've got the samples not right, the material's not right, there's sizes not right. You go back to redoing it. It's just a longer drawn out process, but it's still very creative. And I love it. I really... I knew I'd love it and I really love it. Like I get excited when the samples come through in the post and I'm like, oh, wow, it's like 
can see it and use it and you know handle it and you know this physical thing there to show what you've done yeah and i and, and i think we've gone from having nothing to having over 150 SKUs wow. since we launched in june 2021 and it's only when i've been filming sometimes where i've taken a moment and gone wow that's all our stuff that's like we've created that that's the only time i think i've ever for one second absorbed the progress won't say the achievement because that hunt for achievement never never stops and the best part is then communicating with customers who've then gone and enjoyed their hobby more whether they've caught their biggest fish ever they've had a moment where they've really found a product easy to use that's made it easier for them save them time whatever the benefit was that's the greatest satisfaction of all and now I relate more to my old boss than I ever did when I was there because really? I understand frustrations and feelings now because I, I'm living some of the, the emotional footsteps that he would have lived building his brand. And that's why I'm so passionate about people that come on board, it feeling like their brand and that in the end they having products that they've brought through and it not feeling like a, a conveyor belt of what I like it can't mm. be that yeah as to move away from the Ali Hamidi show and become the one more cast show and it become about a, a wider community that's why I love enjoy involving customers in their opinion on new products and samples which shock the trade so like blimey showing them samples because that would have been a serious no-no at Corda, but it, it's something I love doing. There's a product we launched, which was one of the first products I sketched on a bit of white paper when we started, and it was the Cool Tool, which was a fishing multi-tool. We revealed that to the public prior to placing the purchase order, but the public's reaction gave me the confidence to place a larger order, and even that larger order sold out in, like, four or five weeks. So without the public's involvement, we yeah. would have ordered loads less and really affected our own revenue. It was a huge thing for our business in the sort of first full trading year. That's really cool because in a lot of industries, I mean, that happens a lot. So we talk about lean innovation and, you know, minimum viable propositions and so on, especially in software, you know, software apps, those sorts of stuff. You know, you put, you put out something that's just about good enough learn from it get the customer feedback and and then you can go again so i think it's it's really cool that you're doing that and that'll give you that competitive advantage in terms of the customer connection as well because customers feel like they've co-created and they've had a say and a bit of an influence oh for sure that i think it's something i always dreamt of doing really involving them it starts the marketing journey long time before it comes out you get the engagement you get the communication and and also you sometimes you get a feeling I've done it also on products just prior to launch and I knew in my heart it wasn't the right decision to bring the product out I sort of felt it and we have had a, like one product where I was like mm, just can't see them it was a clothing item and then we released it on social media and the response was terrible and that's the only time it can backfire on you but at least if we put that sample out prior to us ordering it we would have learned a lot by the community yeah you you get people write really horrible things but you've got to sort of 
eek past those comments and look at the constructive ones. Yeah. And sometimes there are some products that I would ignore the community's response and have to go with our gut that we believe it would make a difference to people's enjoyment of their hobby in whatever element of it, whether it's shelter or actual physical something on the fishing line. But we have to believe sometimes back ourselves because Ray says some wise things where he says, doesn't show much confidence if you always ask their opinion. I'm like, well, it also begins the marketing journey. And I then I'd relayed it back to him. I said, didn't you at Ted Baker go and show your shops a year and a half in advance the next season stuff? And he was like, yeah. I said, it's exactly the same. It's just I'm going to the end user and you were going to the middleman that was then going to sell it to the end user who was going to give you an opinion on what the end user was going to think. So cut them out, go straight to the end user, get their opinion now. Yeah, well, it, it de-risks everything and it gives you a flying start. So, which is interesting because yeah. I wanted to ask you about your view on failure because in innovation, uh, we talk about failure a lot and that failure is actually learning. Failure is R&D. You've clearly got a growth mindset, as we talked about earlier. So so what's your what's your approach to sort of failure? And, you know, when when things haven't gone how you hoped, give us some examples on what you've done with that to learn from it and turn it around. Because not everything goes right first time. I think that's the one thing I've learned with product development. You're, you're sort of really wishing, hoping. We've got an amazing product in development. It's one of the biggest breakthroughs in fishing tackle, like since uh, as a part of the fishing rig. It's, it's got a pattern application in. It will be a real landmark for us as a brand. But I had to try to get underwater evidence of this product working. That alone, just that part of it, because I know the product works, but then getting the evidence on top was a challenge in itself. There's lots of physics involved with the product and I needed to show that it does underwater what it does. But you're trying to do this in timescales. The product's ready and you need to do the proof. And then we were going to places, investing money in divers, and underwater equipment to do it all and then the fish weren't playing ball on that session and or the light wasn't right the the water was too cloudy we had it all but you can't I don't know there's a weird feeling with it it's sort of like I, I go back to I always think that's happened for a reason whether the delay's been caused for the right reason and you just adapt and overcome I think I just came back from filming the tv show in France where I took a huge risk to try to do the underwater filming at the same time as making the TV show, sacrificing the success of the TV show to get the underwater footage for the benefit of this product's launch. And it looked like I'd made a really bad decision. And on the last day, the greatest thing we could have ever imagined happened. So the TV show became amazing. And we got the Eureka thing for that product. But up until then, I was sitting there thinking, oh, why didn't you just like, do it separately but we can't we don't i don't have the time we don't have the budget the risk paid off and actually the other shoots before where the footage of this product performing underwater was cloudy grainy you can still see the product doing its thing but just it wasn't that crisp crystallized vivid underwater image of that i call it the holy grail shot and that holy grail shot today is now the front. So you've got the underwater clip of the fish getting hooked with this product being utilized. And it's now the front of the packaging. And that just happened last week. 
it's all a part of the development process because the underwater footage was also giving us more intel into the how the product performed proving theory but this product has been in development since august of 21. it reminds me of what we were saying before we hit record which was it's about keeping at it isn't it you know and, and making things work and having a bit of resilience and persistence and creativity because I think a lot of people, especially new entrepreneurs with a new product idea and they've not had a business before or launched a new product before, think that you have the idea for the product, you design it and then off you go. But actually a lot of the innovation and the creativity comes in making it work, getting it out there, you know, overcoming those sorts of obstacles. Just having the product idea is the first step, isn't it, in a long series of innovation steps that need to happen. One of the things I learned to learn very quickly was to learn more about the production processes, understand how moulding works, injection moulding, different parts of it, how lots of factors, I suppose, of engineering that go into the products that we use in fishing. And also, I learned very quickly that lots of ideas were coming in from the public with or different people from different angles, great, but they're taking zero consideration into how things are made. And then it's trying to respond to people and saying, look, lovely concept, but what you're proposing is can't be made, or if it could be made, it would make the RRP so ludicrous to do this job that no one would ever buy it. So it's a steep learning curve. But for me, I think the marketing side and building the marketing into the creative narrative of the product from the beginning of the journey, it's been a part of the whole story the fabric of this business of playing the whole thing out in public yeah so that the story's building everyone loves to follow a story and i want to i want to you know show the failures and and we we have we've been filming content to hopefully one day be able to put together some sort of inspirational movie about the whole building of the business not just the bits you see in social but the warts behind the scenes you know mike my product development manager having a heart attack just before we're about to bring out our first wave of products last May, which meant I was doing everything on my own. And in that side of it, the trials and tribulations, yeah. not yeah. not the, just the, the real, the real side, not just the, you know, the glossy the success, the glossy yeah. success. And, and, and Mike's okay, is he? He's got a lot better as a young business. I decided financially I have to support him through the whole period of him getting well, which from a statutory legal perspective, we didn't have to do that. But I wanted to because I felt he'd done so much emotionally for the business up until then that he deserved it, even though we hadn't even been going a year. But then, you know, to see him recover step by step, improve, uh, reduce his medication, uh, change some lifestyle habits, he really challenges me tells me what he thinks and I love that. I'm glad he's doing well and it doesn't surprise me at all that you've looked after him because that's in line with your values and that's great. So yeah. how does a small business get into ITV and Sky? What sort of process and creativity and networking did you do to make all of that stuff happen? That's quite a nice, simple chain of events that I can always look back on. Success leading to success. So 
I do go back to when I was at university, I thought, right, we've got uh, this nine weeks of work experience coming up. I'm going to go and aim for the stars. And I thought, I want to go to Sky Sports, right? I used to go and watch Liverpool every week. I remember I went outside. They had the big trucks outside Anfield at the cop where they record all the outside broadcasting trucks. And I thought, right, I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to knock on that door and walk in that van and ask someone, right? (laughs) I've gone up. There's a person there and I said, look, I would like to come and work experience to Sky. Could you give me a telephone number or a name for someone to contact? And they were like, oh, you'd need to speak to a production coordinator, but I can't give you a number. But while he's saying that to me, looking at his badge on his chest, and I still remember the number to this day. And on the Monday, I called it up and I said, blah, blah, blah. I've been asked to give the production coordinator a call about work experience. And she went, oh, okay, Pippa. I was like, yes, Pippa. And they, they put me through to her. And then she literally, she, she was really good. We had a bit of a laugh on the call. And then she invited me down. And then I ended up going to work experience while I was at uni at Sky. That went really well. And that was the beginning of me making lots of TV connections. Then when I joined Corda, those TV connections meant we could get our first TV show on Sky, which we did, called Thinking Tackle. That paved the way for a good sort of foundation. I then got that show onto Discovery because I had audience figures from Sky and I could go, hey, would you like this show now to have a 10-year repeat thing? They took it. Then we did the underwater film. Real success. We decided to do a cinema premiere to invite our fans to come and watch it. Literally two days before the cinema premiere, I get a phone call from Nat Geographic saying, we'd just like your help on some venues. We've recommended your name by someone at Sky. Okay, start talking to me. And it turns out actually that Nat Geo working with ITV to make this series called Kingfishers. Great, no problem. And I went, oh, by the way, if any of your directors are are free this week, we've got a premiere for our thing. They might want to come. Oh, actually, one of our directors loves fishing. I went, oh, right, well, invite him. He can come and be my guest. Nick Warner, who is now a director, co-founder at One More Cast with me, came to that premiere. We became friends. He then became director of Thinking Tackle, but he had contact to ITV. And I asked him, can we, the dream is to get on terrestrial telly, just get me a meeting with them, right? We'll put some ideas, just get me in front of them. The rest will be history. We came up with a few concepts. One was Monster Carp, which has become an absolute revelation on telly. The other one was the big fish off. I knew the big fish off with the celebrities. Me and Dean Macy taking two celebrities fishing would be a hook because that's an easier buy for the channel. And uh, we went in, we pitched Monster Carp to Katie Furrogood, who was the commission editor. And she was like, what, a show about carp? That won't take off. But she liked big fish off. She said, right, here's the deal. Go out and make a show. And if I like it, we'll put it on. We made it, the big fish off. Obviously, I had to sort all the celebrities out and getting all that. It worked. And then literally, as soon as it aired and it did well, I went in with Monster Carp again and repitched it when a new commissioner had come on board. So I went in with a bit of ammo, some success, pitched Monster Carp, never looked back. And as a result now, the commissioner that chooses the editorial for ITV4 and digital channels is still the same one. So I was able to get another show on for our 
little like a smaller brand guru at the time and then when i started one more cast it's, it was just a phone call to to get a tv series for the brand that's stunning i mean there's so many threads <laughs> sliding that, doors <laughs> yeah and that are coming through but you know in terms of of you and your entrepreneurial approach it's a combination of talent and graft no fear sometimes in approaching people like today funnily enough because i heard He's replied to me once before by email Jeff Bezos. I read something that he reads all of his emails and I did send him an email a little while back about something. He replied and he CC'd one of his staff who then replied to me. But it is just sometimes stupid fearlessness. If I sort of reflect on just a handful of the things that have come up in terms of, you know, you and your success, huge creativity and drive love what you do, care passionately about the customer and about community, values driven, you want to create something that's meaningful, create a great place to work, the stuff that you've not done before, you learn. So product design, product development, all of that, you know, you, you went and found out about the mouldings and how it happens and you know, how to do that. And you're not afraid to break the mould in terms of the industry, doing things like early prototyping, with customers that, that just aren't happening out there. And you're not afraid to go in and ask and ask the person you need to ask to make things happen for you. All of that, I think it's an incredibly powerful combination and it's just going to take you from strength to strength. What advice and recommendations would you give to any entrepreneur, to any business owner wanting to get out there, grow, feeling like you know they want to achieve the potential and the vision that they've got, but sometimes finding it a bit hard. What advice have you got for people out there? One description I can give, as you will know from the work we did together at my former place of work, was I always thought I was really busy, like incredibly busy. And now looking back, it feels like it was a part-time job with not in a bad way, because I really did work hard, but comparing it to starting your own business, you have to be willing to run really hard and accept that you have to be obsessed about it to succeed. It's a trade-off between, I believe to be true success at anything, you really have to be completely devoted to it, like to reach the pinnacle of it. And I, I am nowhere, not even, I haven't even scratched the surface of anything yet with regards to growing my own business. But I've got more respect for everyone who has done it in the past, because I realise how truly mentally tough it is. And I enjoy the challenge, but you have to be prepared to go for it. And very recently, we had a videographer um, that joined us from a really big fishing brand. He started with us and actually he's, leave, he's left us two days ago to start his own content creation subscription business, right? With another angler. Totally cool with that because I would I could relate to him going off to do his own thing, but only after he was only with us ten months, mm. short spell. So it kind of hurts. But I have said to him because I had a sense that he was doing it because he thought he might have more time. He's got a family, and I said, look, be prepared. The beginning when you're first sort of doing your research and doing your bits and pieces and getting it can be a false sense of security. But then when it starts picking up. And all the different elements, finance, subscription, websites, 
whatever it is starts coming in yeah and you're a small team it will be all engrossing and you will realize what i feel now and that they are polar opposites and what you think so you can't go into it thinking i'm going to have more time you've mm. got to go into it knowing that one day you might have the time that you have now again but by then hopefully you would have built your own thing that you can have your own legacy your own stamp on an industry so if you're willing to do that and that is i think the blueprint to to be i don't do you know anyone who's built businesses and not really put in the effort no i know there's a lot of stuff on social about the anti-hustle culture and that you don't have to work 24 7 to build a business but i think you know from my experience and the people i work with who are entrepreneurs and innovators they work blooming you hard. Do. now they also make you know a bit of time for the things that they love doing and the people they love as well but it is <laughs> it's, it's very hard work and then they make sure that they attend to the other priorities in life as well because you're a new dad so it's about you know juggling all of that isn't it my mum says sometimes or my wife oh you're working really hard but to me when you're passionate about something it doesn't feel it's not like the anxiety of working for someone at all mm. i've never had even in i've never had that feeling of of working for someone oh what what's happened or what you know what what could go wrong because you can work through everything i have certainly that point you make about people thinking that you can do less and achieve more i just from my existence on this earth, I have never seen proof of that. If I yeah. go from sporting idols to successful business people, even Ray today, he built Ted Baker to this huge 1.5 billion valued business it's in its heyday. Even today, at late 60s, he is still at it. He, he, he's still a market trader in the street. I've walked with him. He's got like a MBST clinic for therapy on the body that his friend set up. So he's opened a clinic that does the same thing in, you know, invested in his friend's business to do it. He's selling it on the streets to people he meets to say, he got a bad knee. Like he's, he is still a born hustler. And then I, I meet other friends who, you know, they, they, they might be going through a bad stage in their business or something. And then I say to him, mate, you are a hustler. Like, you are going to be okay because you've always been okay. You will find a way because that's just how you're built. They're like, oh, I'm tired and I've done my hustling. And then six weeks later, you catch up with them and they've invested in this new thing and they've done this. And you're like, told you. I think it's about, you know, you enjoy it, don't you? And I think the people who are successful actually enjoy the process of creating something, building something and having all that autonomy as well. So you just, look, I'm super happy for you. You deserve every every single ounce of success that you have. You're just such an inspiration. And um... I think you're an inspiration. I don't know about myself. I hope one day I can, I know I, know I inspire people on a hobbyist level, but I would love to one day be able to actually sit and talk with the experience you have and and the successes and the people because you've played a big part people won't realize the backstory but you've played a big part in shaping my mindset in working around people because i had to grow up quite quickly and i think that's that's my biggest fear now is bad habits 
of the past creeping into your game. And I see it. You, you're always going to have glimpses of your bad moments. You know, you talk about going to work. Well, people aren't coming to work here. We, we all work from our homes. And that's a different dynamic. Like, I think, can one more cast grow to being a, you know, recognised, established, European-wide brand in fishing without having offices? But that's a little challenge I've set myself. But it is difficult. I mean, we've got on a creative level. Sometimes it just isn't possible to do it over Zoom because can you move it one millimetre that way? Can you move it one mil that way? And that human side... I would like to make sure that people are really with us for a long time. And is that possible remotely? Yeah, and I think it is. And I think it's about nurturing people even more and making sure the collaboration's in place and that there are those meetups whenever you can to to do those meetups. But actually, there's no reason why it can't work. You know, and, and I work with teams all over the world who collaborate super closely, but because one office is in the Middle East and another office is in America or wherever, you know, they've never met. They feel connected because they build in the fun time, even if it's fun time online. And it's about just getting used to something different. And look, if anybody can build an amazing remote culture that's innovative, entrepreneurial and engages people, then you can. The most important thing to me is the people involved, And I hate, like, when they say to me, you're the boss, I said, don't ever say that to me. You're the boss. I call people boss, but I want them to really, I want to make sure we have this real, real future of people feeling like it's theirs and feeling comfortable. Because remotely, when, especially when I'm as manic as I am the way I work, you know, with a lot of lunacy and left, right, this subject, that subject, product, marketing, And sometimes I think, God, I haven't spoken to them today. Managing, looking after, preserving, protecting people is the number one priority because once you've got some foundations, it all becomes about people, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, people are the ideas, you know, the, I mean, it's it's, it's said a lot, isn't it? The biggest asset and most important thing It's why we do it for um, businesses, people, working with people and supporting each other. So, Ali, this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. And I'm sure that people listening and watching will want to find out more about you. So what's the best way for them to to get in touch and to see your stuff? You can follow me. I'm on LinkedIn as Ali Hamidi. I don't use that too often because all the communication tends to be on sort of mainstream social media. So at Ali Hamidi on Instagram at Ali Hamidi Angler on Facebook, at Ali Hamidi on Twitter, and then at Ali Hamidi TV on TikTok. So try to be as active as possible on all of them, at least a few times a day. Hopefully, if they don't relate to the fishing, they might get some inspiration with how they could communicate with their audience. I think there's loads that any business, fishing or not fishing, any business can learn so much from your marketing, your approach, your creativity your community building and and how you work with customers and the culture that you I'd love to do that yeah I'd love to do that with you in the future where we talk more specific on marketing or something because I love helping still my friends other businesses on marketing it's like I just enjoy seeing something that sets them off and they do a good job 
as a result of an initiative. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe that's something well, to chat about. When you're back from your next fishing adventures, I know you've got some travel coming up, then we'll do that. We'll do a part two and we'll do a, a marketing deep dive. How's that? I like it. I like the analogy as well. Diving and underwater and marketing. Good, All good. of that. All <laughs> of that. Brilliant. <laughs> Ali, thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.